This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. I'm not going to lie, I didn't have clinging on grimly to a 1-0 defeat against 10 men as how Manchester City were going to make it back to Wembley in the League Cup this season, but then again, what, if anything, actually made sense on Wednesday night? Let's face it, Manchester derbies aren't supposed to be stress-free, but bloody hell, it would have been a lot easier if one of City's players took a shot from close range once in a while. In the week where there were news reports that revealed devoted football fans experience, quote, dangerous levels of stress, I can confirm that I coped by eating a disgusting amount of chocolate. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast, where we're going to try and make sense of what's happened in the last seven days at City, including a mini-row about the fullness of the Etihad Stadium. Was Pep Guardiola right to say what he said? Was he goaded into it by crafty questions? Or should the fans make more of an effort to fill the ground? All of that coming up. It's Spurs away next for City, so we'll look ahead to that. And we're talking about our favourite Sergio Aguero goals as he passed the 250 mark for the club recently. I'm David Mooney, and to help me sort out all of that on this week's show, I'm joined by two City fans. Higgy? Hello, you alright? I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm making his debut, Phil. Hi. How are you doing? Not too bad. Lovely stuff. Uh, so, yes, two uh, two cup games. Um, I had forgotten in making the notes for this that City had actually played for them at the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it all kind of uh, stemmed from the derby. But, um, you know, through to the fifth round of the, of the FA Cup uh, with a tie against Sheffield Wednesday, another Wembley trip coming up. It should feel like this week has been quite good. It should, shouldn't it? But, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, a weird couple of games. Like Fulham was flatter than flat, having been run over and made more flat. It was just horrible, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> it was grim. Um, didn't help the the ten men thing and the penalty kind of sucked, killed, sucked killed what the little game, life the game little, had yeah. yeah out of it. And then um, United was just oh, just weirdly disappointing. It was, it was yeah to go through to Wembley on that performance just odd, very damp squib. It's one of those weird situations, Phil, where the team that is losing the tie overall wins the second leg. And so both teams win and both team lose. And It was very unsatisfying. Yeah, it just nobody feels good about anything. No, no. It, like you say, it damp squib, it's just very, very strange feeling coming away from both of those games where clearly good outcome, clearly good outcome, but it just feels like there's something missing in spite of it. Honestly, I'd forgotten that we played Fulham. It left that much of an impression. I'm really glad we've got through to the next round of the FA Cup. It's something I really want us to win again. But it, the game was over so quickly that, frankly, I remembered all the comments we'll come on to later. But the game itself had more or less faded away. Just parked it. And just completely forgot. And moved and on. And then United, it's just... It's hard to put your finger on it, but it was a very weird game to, did you come to away, experience. Did you come away feeling disappointed on Wednesday? Yeah. Angry to a degree. Definitely very frustrated. I'm going to throw in a hot take now, though, Chris, um, because United had one shot and scored it, yeah. and that was about that was all they created. So, were City actually in control for 99 percent of that game and just not just not exerting themselves to to what they would have done if it was a league game? To an extent, they were in control, um, and you got this sense of they they knew it, but that's complacency, isn't it? If you think you're in control when you one get one goal away from um, taking it to penalties. Like we started taking off the players at the end. That would take penalties. Yeah, <laughs> and that you would have faith. Well, I mean, <laughs> that you would have faith, and that's a whole different kind of topic, isn't it? Our oh, penalty taking, but you, you did feel like this is asking for it. It's really asking for it. So many chances went begging. That silver one, like I've watched that about fifty times today, and like there's freeze frames of it. You watch it in in slow motion. You watch it in real time. It's like, how can you not shoot in that situation? What is what is going on in your brain? Like, just pass it into the large gap at the side <laughs> on the left of the goal. Just stick it in the net, man. And he thinks, uh, I will pass the ball. It's going to be fine. It's like, whoa, whoa, how, how, how? Just don't, don't get it. It, it riled me that. And Aguero was doing his damnedest to try and score. Um, De Gea made a few good saves, um, but there were opportunities there. It's just like the amount of times I said during the game pull the trigger somebody shoot you've got to take that you've got to you've got to shoot and we were just trying to you know 
walk it in the net. Like, it's, it's funny, though, because it's kind of taken on a whole new... It was in the um, wrong gear for me. Well, it, it, it's all kind of taken on a whole new meaning, though, Phil, because like, the, like when the ball is on the edge of the box, you always get those shouts in the crowd. Oh, shoot, somebody have a go, somebody have a go. Well, City have had the most shots this season, or the second most shots this season, behind United in the Premier League from outside the box. So clearly they're having a go from range, and it's just maybe not working as, as often as fans seem to think it will work. And then... On, on Wednesday night they were getting into like five yards out and not shooting and it was pretty much everyone as well it wasn't you sometimes get it where it's just one one player like Sterling has had a few games this season where he's he's played quite well he's got a good position and he's clearly he's frozen and just taking an extra touch yeah, and... but yesterday it seemed like everyone was doing it mm. possibly with the exception of Aguero but everyone seemed to be just trying to walk in like I had a bit of a awkward reaction to the Silver one I'm still more annoyed at Gundogan for the way he took the ball and tried to dribble it past two players and I am at Silver passing it. I suspect Gundogan wasn't expecting it. Was probably, it to be right fair, yeah. He was probably in shock thinking, yeah. why isn't he short? Like, and it's put him off. The fact that everyone seemed to be having the same overall reaction of, Jesus, we cannot, you know, can't shoot. Just give it, you know, keep moving it around, keep moving it around. We've got to get, we've got to score. We can't waste this by shooting. Yeah, well, I mean, why why does that happen? Why did that happen, do you think? Is, is, was it a case of, of simply, we just need to create the best chance we can? I think it's a combination of lack of confidence and also they've had it drilled into them so well that there is a certain pattern of play and to an extent the, the shot selection they, they're clearly thinking very hard about what chances they take what chances they opt out of and try and get something better and it feels like no one's quite confident enough to just say this is the one I'm going to go for it this one's mine unless it's yeah. Aguero maybe. unless it's Aguero who you can't whatever we do we cannot beat that selfish ruthless streak out of him he's always going to try to see a goal yeah, definitely. it's always going to be there it's frustrating sometimes but in the moments like that you rely on it because he's the only one you can trust to do it yeah. do you think we consciously played within ourselves well this is what I'm trying to get to the bottom of because like I'm not sure how conscious it was but I was thinking when you were talking about control I don't think they controlled it in the sense of actually controlling the game but it did feel like they were controlling the performance in the sense that it felt like they all knew they could go up another level. Yeah, yeah. yeah but they weren't. But that's the thing. I mean, like they were clinging on towards the end yeah. in the sense that they were holding the ball by the corner yeah. flag. But I never really felt, other than that that cross that went in towards Maguire at the back post, that United were, were likely to get a goal. Apart from it as well, when Otamendi decided to... It did feel like we, we looked very capable of giving away a goal yeah. without yeah. them really doing anything. Yeah, but that I mean that's not good play from United. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. Just, that's just us being City. Yeah, losing, oh, yeah, losing yeah. control that's, of... That's exactly what I was worried about, us being us, not them being any good. I mean, Otamendi, case in point. Brainless. <sighs> absolutely brainless. Absolute lunatic. I mean... How many times do you yeah, think it was a great foul though? Do you know what I mean? It was one. It was a fantastic. I have fouled you. Wham! You know what I mean? <laughs> I have fouled you. If you've been ten, ten yards further back, I'd agree with you. <laughs> that would have been really satisfying. But where he did it, it was just just just, just a, a, watch you fly in the air and land on your backside. Watch it. it. Wham! Go it was idiotic, and it deserved every ounce of the uh, De Bruyne reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? A 31, no. 32 year old centre back doing that. He's yeah. just and being told off. By uh, by Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, you can understand his frustration. I mean, just on the on the decisions whether to shoot or not. Um, we've already talked about the, the David Silver one, the Raheem Sterling one, oh, where Jesus. he's clean through one on one with with David De Gea at the start of the season. He shoots and scores that. Yeah, yeah to be honest, um, I wasn't too bothered about the fact that he didn't just pick a spot and go for it. You know, he, he quite he was quite calm when he chose to go around the keeper, and he dummied the keeper. Well, you know, he didn't panic, and kept he, he got, yeah, he, he, he did everything right. And then the shot again, like you got to be calm there. He's the eye of the storm moment, isn't he? You've got to just like relax. And he panicked again, and he put all he had into it to get it over from there. Is is some feat really? Like, should he have passed it? Aguero was stood next to him. Silva was thinking, "Why didn't you pass?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the irony there of, of saying that a player's got an open goal and he should have passed it for someone who's got well, a better chance. When, when we're, we're, he's possibly the only person you should say that though at the moment. Yeah. His confidence is so low. But he could have just passed it in. Do you know what I mean? He's like, again, like trying to pop it. What's he doing? Yeah. I mean, in all of that, City are through, so there is a positive. But yeah, again, yeah. all of that said, City have lost another home Manchester derby. It's I now, I mean, I, 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 do you feel feel like, like City are sleepwalking into a bit of a problem against United, especially at the Etihad? I think we've um, already sleepwalked into it. Well, Guardiola's one-one drawn, one lost, three at the Etihad now. Yeah. This United team isn't great, and they've not been great over that period of time. I mean, two different managers, plenty of turnover. They've been rubbish pretty consistently. We keep going into him on form, or at least relatively speaking on form, and we keep blowing it. It was better than 
last time. It was better than the time before that, but it feels like whatever happens in these games, we still manage to find a way to underperform yeah. and to make them feel bigger than they are. After in- that first half as well, the, the, the Old Trafford leg... Where it was just like we slaughtered them, absolutely dismantled them, didn't yeah. we? And then to just take your foot off. The and they gas. didn't look like. I mean, in that first leg, they didn't look like they'd really exerted themselves to do it. It looked like they just knew exactly what to do, didn't have to think about it, and they just let nature take its course. And then you get to the return leg, and God knows what it is, but something's coming out of them, and it's they they're falling to pieces. Yeah. Let Chris, them back in, Chris. In the post Ferguson era, so from 2013 onwards, City's record at, at home to United. Is one three drawn one lost four? That is shocking, isn't it? And United again have been crap since Ferguson left. Yeah, that is. I didn't realise that. That's that's dross. That isn't it. That's pretty bad. I didn't. I wasn't aware of how bad that record was. Is and some of the wins haven't been that great either. If I cast my mind back, I think the there was a Pellegrini scuffed one nil, wasn't there? there? Was a, the way we've played the last two years. You expect them to be able to, even if there's some variance. Because again, it's a derby. You'd expect them to be able to put together at least one victory at home, where they pretty much just destroy them. Well, just to to kind of reflect that, the in, in, the opposite stats are the same stats, but for Old Trafford, um, in the post-Ferguson era, it's one five drawn, one lost two, and under Guardiola, it's one four lost one. City, City, City just love it at Old Trafford, and they they love derbies at Old Trafford, and, and can't do them at home. It's weird. Must be something psychological. Yeah. Now we've uh, we touched on a couple of uh, of confidence players as well. Um, Gabriel Jesus, uh, the goals against Fulham, you feel like they they should do him quite good because he's he seems to be one that that beats himself up when he doesn't get things right. If that makes sense. Definitely. If you look at any of his read any of his comments, hear him speak after any of these games, he seems seems to take it all very personally, whether he's going well or going badly. And he always looks better when he's in a he's a very streaky player. He always looks better once he's scored a couple of goals when he's. Got the little pep in his step just to keep pressing people, keep forcing things, making things happen. Hopefully it continues because we do need it. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of, of him at the moment, that penalty miss against uh, Sheffield United would have done him good. But then, I mean, to bounce back with, albeit a championship side in Fulham playing 10 men, but they were they were decent goals, Chris. What, the goals against Fulham? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the penalties, he has got a, an abysmal record for like Brazil and City, but he's always... To be fair to him, he has got the cojones to, to stand, stand up, up and, mm. and take them again. And he said, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. He's, he's first, you know, be first to put his hand in the air to, to take them. And, he, yeah, he, obviously, he thrives on goals, don't he? All strikers do. Um, and it will definitely, uh, you know, put a bit of zing back into him. When it comes to uh, Raheem Sterling, though, you'd have thought this week would have been ideal for him to get a bit of confidence. Ten-man Fulham came off the bench, should have been able to impact the game, didn't really. A, a, a United team that aren't great, I mean, he's got a bit of a poor record against United anyway, but an opportunity to, to kind of break that. Why do you think it's just not happening for him at the minute? I don't know if he's tired. I don't know if he's carrying anything. Um, like That chance where Maguire sort of loped in and um, predictably just took it off his foot he's, that, that touch you could see in his face he'd realised his touch was heavy and he'd taken it away and it wasn't going to work and I don't know what it is with him it's like maybe it's confident well he's a very confidence player as well isn't he like you get when he gets in a run of form he's practically unplayable and when when he gets in a poor run of form he's like he can be fairly you know frustrating and Obviously, it frustrates him more than anyone, I would imagine, and it's hard to get out of that rut sometimes, isn't it? Maybe he needs to rest. That's the thing with Jesus as well. He gets into run of form, gets rested, and then he's kind of got to build up his head Start of steam again. again. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Sterling, he keeps getting... He gets a lot of game time. Um, he's had a couple of resty bits like recently, but maybe he needs a couple of games where he just needs to sit down and watch and you know, mentally prepare himself. So he's absolutely firing on all cylinders when he comes back. You would think as well, Phil, with the way that Mares and, and Bernardo have been playing in recently, the, Guardiola would want to keep them in the team and keep them going. He's baffled me a little bit. It feels like he's been trying to play Sterling into form a little over the last month or so. Mm. And given how Mares has been playing in particular, and the fact that we've not always seen this quality from him, and he does seem a little bit streaky himself, it's been a bit funny that he's he's changed, changed it, yeah. more than you'd have expected. I think Mares has been great this he's been, he's been cracking. been absolutely cracking. He's just... I think there's been a few moments where he's dipped, and there's been some times where he's just been withdrawn. And you've looked at him and just thought, "Why? What's the what's the thinking there?" He seemed like, especially with Bernardo not having the same form he did last season, taking longer to get going. It's been a bit weird that he's 
he's trying to force Sterling almost to play back his way back into form. It's just not happening, is no. it? Um, one final point on on this kind of week. Um, why do you think City in in on the whole, this season have been have been dragged into some more games that are, are more battles than 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 they have done in the last couple. We're of not years. scoring early. That was my personal theory. Is that moment. it? I think I don't think it's all of it. I think it's a, a large part. Is I think you saw a lot last night with the Derby where for the first fifteen minutes or so we weren't perfect, but we were able to maintain a pace and a pressing an energy about everything we were doing for the first fifteen minutes that United couldn't cope with. And I think last season and the season before we'd have probably scored. And if not scored, I think we would have maintained that energy for longer. And it feels like at the moment we're able to get that initial push. Sometimes we're not even getting it, but we're generally able to get that initial push. We don't convert it. We don't capitalise on it. We're obviously then a bit more tight. The opposition are suddenly thinking they've ridden the worst of it. They can try and get something on the break. And, it changes, that, creeping, and it, it changes the dynamic as well. Because suddenly they can sit deep. They can just show up shop. They've, their, their game plan is what they expected. They've, they've not been sucker punched. But we have to break them down. We have to figure a way through. And we have been pretty good attacking-wise this season for all that we've struggled. But that's still a tough ask. You've got to be, you've got to be really lucky. It has felt though, Chris, like this season there's been a lot of of gritty performances. Certainly a lot more than the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Gritty, as in we've had, had to, to dig in. Yeah, dig in and for a, like a stalemate. Or I mean, we've had gritty performances where we, there's a lot of last-minute winners, weren't there in the game? Of the games when we last won the league last season, where we've battled on, and I, I think that's that's gritty this season. I don't know. Am more, I rose tinting glasses? It more bitty than gritty. I think um, I know what you're getting at. It's been more gritty, more bitty from the off rather than us doing well and just having to fight till the end. A more bitty, gri- more bitty than gritty city. Yeah, that's the nitty gritty. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Pep Guardiola puts out a mini call to arms after the win against Fulham, expressing his surprise that the Etihad wasn't full. It's upset some fans, while others thought he'd been too open responding to a question in his press conference. Either way, the fuss that was kicked up maybe was not the best preparation for this week's Manchester derby. I've been taking a look at what happened. It was clear on Sunday lunchtime that the Etihad wasn't full. Hopefully the next game against United, our fans can come and, and make our stereo full. That was everything Guardiola said on the topic in the post-match press conference. Some fans asked why their support was being questioned. Others argued that the manager was just answering what was put to him. So in the interest of transparency, here is the question and answer in full. How difficult is it for your players to play in those situations though, where you're playing against 10 men, the stadium's not full? Was motivation a problem today, maybe? Well, motivation was right. They start really well. After 2-0, we, we miss a little bit some movements, more attack with intention to attack, but it was not easy because they defend well and high. Uh, yeah, hopefully the next game against United, our fans can come and, and make our stereo full. Then this is what he said to the BBC about the upcoming Manchester derby. The semi-final, second leg, a chance to, to come back to Wembley for three years in a, in a row. Hopefully our fans can come more people than today. Hopefully can, can support us more and uh, make an intelligent game to, to qualify for, for the final. Did you feel today that there wasn't as many fans here that you, as you would have liked? Yeah, I was not full. I don't know the reason why, but it was not full yet. For a couple of days, the mood festered. On Tuesday in Guardiola's next press conference, he was asked about how his words had gone down with the fans. Never was my intention to, to offend them. They are part of us. Since I arrived here, the day one until the last day, what I want is fights and play as good as possible to see Etihad Stadium full every single game. So it belongs to us to play good to seduce them to come because the only reason why we do our job and I do my job is not for the titles is to go to Etihad Stadium and see absolutely full the people and together enjoy together the games. He added that there were different feelings about different competitions. Since I arrived here I learned for English football how important are the Premier League and the Cup, the FA Cup. More important this club than Champions League, much much more. We knew it for through the club and I experienced it. It was my mistake, but I thought, oh, it's Sunday, one o'clock, today will be full. And I didn't know it's the BBC One, it's not 
Guardiola made a point of saying he understood the pressures that fans were under, but some don't think that's true. This is City fan Nico. He's given up two of the cup schemes after a huge rise in his season card price when he was no longer eligible for an under-21 ticket. It's the cost of tickets over the course of a season. We've had four games this month and then the money's gone out for United. Then Madrid coming out shortly. People haven't been paid since last month. It's January, it's the toughest time of the year. He also says he's not alone in the decisions he's made. Tickets have gone up year on year for years. I know personally seven or eight families who can't afford anymore. Yet still people routinely put the club over for other things in their life because they rely on that emotional connection. The club relies on that emotional connection. John Hay has been on the podcast panel in the past. He's one who's not happy with Guardiola's comments. I've spent over £100 this month on City. I've paid my season ticket payment, which is £32. Cheapest part of the ground. Went to Port Vale in the cheapest part of the ground, that's 10 quid. Fulham, cheapest part of the ground, 10 quid. United, cheapest part of the ground, 20 quid. And in isolation, like, they really aren't bad prices. But City aren't like Liverpool. We don't have another 30,000 fans there ready to fill seats that other people don't go to. In all of this, though, it's worth noting that City's attendance on Sunday was the third highest of the weekend behind only West Ham and Newcastle. Shouldn't that be praised, given the time of year? January, people, like, Christmas has just happened. A lot of people will have only been paid last few days. Um, some people haven't even been paid this year yet. And a lot of people realistically have to pick and choose. If you spend in £100 for a couple of tickets for you and your mate against Real Madrid, then going to Fulham isn't going to be the highest on your list of priorities. Nico agrees that this is one of the hardest times of the year and says ultimately it's just not a good look. I didn't go to the game on Sunday, but I was at the stadium on Sunday collecting donations for the MCFC fans food bank. We're an incredibly well-run club from top to bottom and it's mad to think that in a climate where 40% of Mancunian kids are growing up in poverty and people in one of the richest countries on earth had to use food banks. It's mad to think that Pep doesn't have advisors informing him that responding to these questions like this is terrible, terrible optics for the club. It could just be that the Fulham game is the point that the irresistible force met the immovable object and everything came to a head. John Hay says he understands why people pick and choose cup matches. When every season your season ticket is going up by let's say £20, this nominal amount that means nothing to the club. You look at what else you can cut, you think, maybe if my season ticket's going up for absolutely no reason, I'm not going to go to the third and fourth round of the FA Cup. And I think that's fair enough. I think, I think Guardiola, if he really wants to tackle this issue, he needs to speak to the higher-ups at the club. This isn't the first time that the cost of football, especially ticket prices, has been discussed on the show recently, and very little has changed down the years, other than maybe another 10 or £15 pounds going on top of prices. Something at some point is going to have to give, and if City and Guardiola want a full Etihad Stadium in each match of every competition, then maybe both sides of this debate need to get together and work out a solution. It will be interesting to see what the reaction to the Real Madrid prices and to Guardiola's words this week has on the season ticket renewal announcements due in a few months' time. Hi there, this is Joe Royal speaking. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast and carry on doing so. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. A look there at Guardiola's comments about uh, filling the Etihad Stadium. So, uh, Phil, I'm going to start with you. Uh, do you think Guardiola's words were fair? No, quite simply. My reaction was a little bit moderate, depending on how I've, what his intent was. And I've been wavering a little bit on that the more I've thought about it. But I cannot see an interpretation of his comments that isn't, at best, just mildly insulting to City fans. With as many games as we played, with the context of the game itself he was coming off, it's just it's very disappointing. It's dispiriting. A little bit naive, maybe, in how he's responded to the question? I'd like to say yes, but I don't think so. I think he knows what he's saying. It's not a, it's not the kindest question, but it's not that sly either. It's not like he's sneaking something in. He, sound, he sounds like he knows what he's saying. Mm. and he's, There is no way that that's encouraging, really, to hear from someone who is essentially the figurehead for the club. If he's asked the question, though, Chris, yeah, should he, should he not give an honest answer? If that's how he feels, he wants he wants the stadium full. 
doesn't have to give that answer. He yeah. can just bat it off if he wants, and he doesn't want to. He, he was clearly annoyed. He seemed annoyed with us, and I was annoyed that he was annoyed. I felt like it took it as like a bit of a personal slight mm-hmm. on behalf of all City fans, really. Not that I'm, you know, in any way representing all City fans, but I just thought you can't, you know, how can how can a man of such intelligence be so detached from reality? I mean, you're saying the amount of games we've played, yeah, that's a factor. The time of year is a factor. Um, the time of day is a factor. Who we're playing as well. Who we're playing is a factor. 1pm on a Sunday, it's like, it's it's in direct conflict with grassroots football in many respects. There's a lot of people um, who play football on Sunday mornings, um, whose children play football on Sunday mornings, who won't have been able to go. It was on BBC, so, uh, you know... It's, there's so many factors that there were some parts of the ground that were only a tenner. Yeah, I know. I but it's not in isolation. Ultimately, for, yeah. all, for all that the ticket price it might be good for one match, when you've got those that many games in close concentration, you've got limited resources. You I've... can only you can have to pick and choose at a yeah, certain yeah. point. I mean, I went, I paid a tenner, and uh, I took my godson actually, Archie. Hello, if you're listening. But um, he enjoyed it. But that's the only reason I went. I missed I missed my game of football that Sunday morning to go and watch City. We lost narrowly to a team I used to play against. Could have been the difference. You don't know. That's annoying as well. <laughs> um, it's just like I'd, he complained about he complained about the atmosphere as well. Like he, first he's complaining about the amount of people. He complains about the atmosphere. We're playing Fulham. Who a man sent off inside sent ten off minutes after, and one nil down. Yeah, it was like six and a half minutes. One nil down. Penalty. One nil. Game's pretty much over. It's going to be uh, a, an absolutely mammoth turnaround for um, for Fulham to get back into it. So that doesn't help the atmosphere. Um, it's, and it's weird how the first person to acknowledge the the fixture pile up and its detrimental effects on the players isn't able to translate that into the detrimental effects it has ultimately on our bank balances and our wallets. So, oh, guys, there's too many games. Uh, scrap the League Cup. My players are getting tired. I just want to protect the players. Protect us, dude. You know what I mean. We we effectively, you know. I mean, we've got we've got quite a good backing financially, but we are putting our hard-earned cash into that club. And just to, to, I just felt it was a bit a bit of a kick in the teeth. And he had this. It was kind of scowling um, the way when he was saying it. He had you know, that sort of mouth half open, furrowed brow, like you know. I don't know. It's what he, what he said afterwards as well annoyed me. His follow-up comment in the pre-match to United when he was asked yeah. about the fans' reaction to it. Yeah. What what did you make of that kind of that response? Because he well because he, he he said at that point it was never my intention to offend anyone. Yeah. Obviously that's like a, a kind of a PR climb down, trying to rein it back in and turn it around. But the immediate in, in the context of his initial comment about it, when it when he said about um, it was like oh, more sarcastic than Gandhi. Um, you know when he. He said, uh, "Oh, uh, well, I realise that the um, about the FA Cup. Yeah, I realise that we're, I'm, I realise we're at a club where the League Cup means more than the Champions League. So hopefully there'll be more people uh, against United on Wednesday. And it's like, ooh, oh, that's. I mean, we've said, I've said on air that I prefer the League Cup to the Champions League. So you know, one, it's nice to know that Pep listens to the show. <laughs> Hi, Pep, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, to to sort of throw that back at us, it's like." It's not our fault we ate the Champions League. Look at what it does to us. It, like we get robbed in VAR. It's I, I'm not going against Real Madrid because I, I simply can't afford it. Well, I've just stuff to save for uh, this year, and I've had to sacrifice that one and knock it on the head. But like, yeah. The other thing is as well. He used to manage Barcelona, right? Are they always full against lower opposition? I'll tell you what, they're not because I've Googled you've, it. Because you've done your research. I've done a little bit of research. Love a man who knows how to Google before he comes onto the show. Well. In 2010-11 season, Barcelona's lowest attendance was in a, a Copa del Rey game against... I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, I can't do the accent. It's a <laughs> Ceuta or so, C-E-U-U-T-A, so some lower league team. And it was actually 38,971, which is in fact lower than our attendance against Fulham. So, sorry, mate, you can't have it both ways, pal. I mean, I love the guy, don't get me wrong. He's, but this, he's I mean, fantastic. This is he's the interesting genius, thing. But he's so intense and focused on the team that he kind of forgets that we make the atmosphere for the team, and it's we're not not going because 
you know, we we can't be bothered. It's like it's it's. It, I just found it a bit unfair and a bit. I'm I'm smarting from it a bit to be honest. This, I mean, this is the interesting thing as well, though, Phil. Do you think he's he's not necessarily got the City fans? Because I mean, all football clubs will say that that their fans are unique to some extent, and they're not. All football fans are pretty much the same, except there is something a little bit different about City fans when it comes to attitudes towards the team, towards the competitions, towards. Do, do you know what I mean? There is a degree to which I agree with that. I don't. I don't think he expected the degree of stubbornness and awkwardness about certain things. Like, I mean, the Champions League is the, the obvious one of we probably weren't there straight away, but once collectively we took a, an opinion, we've stuck to it, no matter what anyone else thinks. We're not going to suddenly start liking it just because other people want us to. I, I don't think he gets that, but at the same time, I don't think he can use that as an excuse because we've all said it. He's, an, he's clearly an intelligent man. He clearly, in the case of Barcelona, clearly is able to recognise that there might be reasons for this and it might not be the end of the world. I find it hard to believe that he's saying this stuff because he's unable to translate it to the context of City. When he knows what's going on, when he's as close to the people who actually run the club day to day, personally, I find it quite hard not to believe that at some level he's saying this because he's been asked to go in that direction rather than because he truly believes that there's no reason we shouldn't have those attendances. So you think he's being kind of Primed to make that comment. I think he's been more. Politi- I think he's been more political than he's letting on. At the end of the day, Ooh, I don't know. He seemed. He seemed quite kind of. He doesn't seem innocent the way he's saying it. Like we're talking, you mentioned the, the tone, the manner of the way he was saying it. it. Didn't seem to me when I was listening to it, or when I watched it at the time, that it was entirely off the cuff. It didn't seem like it was, you know, an expression of his own personal belief. Because we see him when he's speaking sometimes, and he looks very animated. Mm. Not animated like he's on the touchline, but. You can see where, he, where he's got a bit of a spark of a thought. Yeah, Something's really catching Yeah, and this seemed a bit more. Someone's not the right word, but there was a little bit more just down about it in a way that I don't know. I, I kind of got the opposite. I thought he was, anno- like, you know, I could. I felt like he, I, he was annoyed by it, and like he wanted to make a point about it. And I just thought it was. Oh, well, I said I was amazed. It was just like a massive one goal. I, he could quite easily just say, uh, "Guys." I'm not answering questions about that. Like that was my other thing that I took away from the first question when he's answered that. It's such an easy thing, just because it's a question around motivation. Mm. It's just so easy, just say my players are always motivated. They're professionals. I'm not going to get into that. Mm. To take it, the opportunity it, when he doesn't have to. He didn't, to go he, in on that. he didn't even need to say to that. He, he, he said, "Yeah, it was a difficult circumstance yeah, today, but I thought we battled well." It's or a something. very strange thing to actually engage with that and go into it in that depth when that's the topic, man. I mean. So, Why yeah. would you choose to go after your fans like that when you don't have to? There seems to be an air of real melancholy about him in that interview, where he just like he looked genuinely, at, you know, like at odds with everything, and it's like, yeah, I'll have a dig at the fans as well. Actually, like, it, I think he's annoyed the way our title challenge has gone. Um, we're talking about Spurs earlier. The whole season just seemed like we are. It's it's like it is written. You are not winning the league this season. That decision against Spurs, the VAR stuff that goes against us, all the stuff that seems to have gone for Liverpool. I mean, obviously, you know, Liverpool are an absolute machine. They're really a quality team. Nobody, you'd be an idiot to deny it. But you'd also be equally stupid to suggest that they've not had some ridiculous look. Not all of their own make. Sometimes it's like the officials look like they're turning a blind eye to pushes in the box, to offsides where... There's certain offsides with it where you can you can you can put the lines exactly where you want and you can make a I I could make it offside where they've made it onside with the little blue dots and the, the <laughs> millimeter here and adjust it at that at the top and but pull the perspective out of the bottom and you think that's kind of all got on top of him this week? Yeah, I think it's kind of found a little outlet, a little uh, gasket, um, you know, blew some blew some steam out and uh, he's kind of climbed down on it. But what I want him to do. I want him to bat away questions like that, form a bit of unity, a bit of a siege mentality, which you need to be united with us in. Yeah, that's one thing. He's well, very that... keen to do a siege mentality for the players, but it never extends to the to the fans. I, I just was going to ask about yeah. the games affecting the players, and but he can't see that it affects us as well. Like. I was going to ask though: is is it all ticket prices? Is it all about the ticket prices for City fans not going to to games in, in especially at this time of year? Do you think if it had been free? If the game had been free against Fulham, do you think it would have been a max attendance? I think it would have been a hell of a lot closer. Maybe not 
Hard so to that, say fully matched, but you, you'd think it would have been easily, you know, 50 or 1,000. Yeah, because I'm still free, thinking about the appeal of the game. Yeah, mm. that's what I mean. Because if it was... If I weren't taking um, my godson to the game, I would have probably gone and played football instead. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. if it was, even if it had cost me an out to go to the game. How did it? How did all of this this week affect the atmosphere on on Wednesday? I think it might have helped it in a weird way. Possibly felt like there was a lot to vent. You know, the usual derby emotions combined with a little bit more of whether it was people who took Pep's side wanted to lash out a little bit at the. Perceived injustice of it, or people wanted to lash out at the frustration of it. Do you think he maybe thought he was helping create a good atmosphere by saying some of the stuff he said? Or because I mean, basically don't need to stoke the atmosphere against United, in my opinion, because it's going to be there. But do you think he was thinking, oh well, I better say something here. It might be just the same on on Wednesday. Because if he got the atmosphere he wanted, why didn't it work for the players? Yeah, there we go. Well, that's another um, another sort of. Yeah, that's another <laughs> parallel to draw, isn't it? Like the players and the fans, like, well, we're going to affect it like this. Why aren't you going to affect it like that? Yeah, good point. Time to look ahead now to the game against Spurs at the weekend. Uh, out of nowhere, Spurs are suddenly one win in five Premier League games. They've, they, this season has been really weird for them. How, how, how do you foresee this game? bit of a shambles both sides I would have thought to be honest with you I don't really trust either <laughs> we're some um, we seem to be stumbling at speed mm. in terms of our performances it's like we'll either trip up and land on our faces or sort the rhythm out and continue a pace I don't know which way it's going to go quite honestly uh, Spurs they've lost Harry Kane haven't they they've just lost Ericsson have they got anyone in over the transfer uh, I don't know before the window yeah. slams um, shut uh, a Dutch forward whose name I can't remember. Oh yeah, I guess I was kid- Steve something. Yeah, but it's got a W in it. Steve W. We'll call him. That. Yeah, go there on. we go. I thought they'd signed Gelson uh, Fernandez. No, that would have been really good. That would that would have been. That was that was like whoa. Really? That would have been blindside. That <laughs> yeah. One. But yeah, no, it's oh, it's not him. Um, City had, like what we're getting at. City have been up and down as well. So it's like it's it feels like a really difficult one to read. It feels like it could go either way in a very emphatic manner. Or we, go neither way in a very unemphatic way. Yeah, manner. <laughs> just like it, it feels like we we could comfortably score four or five goals, not because Spurs are awful, just because we can create enough chances. But as we saw earlier in the week, we could easily spend ninety minutes not doing, doing enough to create those chances and just do nothing with them, Need to be and still collapse in the defence to actually give away a few goals maybe as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, we heard from Guardiola, uh, I think it was either before or after the United game, I can't remember, um, but that Fernandinho might not be ready for this one. What's up with him? I don't know. It, it was kind of one of those miscellaneous, not very serious injuries. Is that um, like Laporte as well? Where he rushed him back and then he's uh, yeah. he's all right, but no, he can't play. Yeah, Laporte was, was very much on the side of let's not rush things, and right. I'm kind of on board with that one. So um, it's not his knee that he's out with? Not to my knowledge. Um, but, I mean, certainly when you know that, those two, especially Fernandinho, are not available. Um, does that just start the alarm bells? Well, it makes you wake up in a cold sweat, thinking, "No, what, Mendy, don't do it!" Like you know, don't step foot on that pitch. Yeah, don't Stay dive there. in. Twelve-yard slide, like a maniac. Um, yeah, obviously, it, it, there's question marks over the defence because there's uh, big gaps to fill if those players aren't available. But we surely, surely to God have enough um, firepower up front to um, get past Spurs' back line and bang a few in if we apply the ruthlessness we were talking about yeah. lacking in, in the derby. If Dave Silver gets in front of goal, this is the thing with Silver. He, he'll probably now shoot for the next five opportunities where he should actually pass. Pick up a couple of goals. Yeah. Ping one in from the edge of the box. Yeah. And going, no, no, I don't think he'll you? score. I think he'll shoot when he should pass and it'll be like, oh, mate, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It could go either way. Uh, I, know How, I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the first part of the show about the the intensity there in the first twenty minutes against United. Phil, how how important is is getting the pressing game right? Because it feels like this season the press has not really been there for times. For me, for all the we've talked about the defence over the course of this season, that's been the biggest thing. Because I think one of the biggest differences between this season and the last two seasons has been that part of this has been because of where we play Fernandinho, where we've had to play him, but we've not had the press from the forwards or the midfield in a way that has it's seen us through a lot in the last couple of years and it's put a lot of, it's deprived us of chances further up the pitch and it's put a lot more pressure on the defence 
and they cannot cope with it because they're not we're not built to have that much pressure on the defense and when we do even when Otamendi's not being Otamendi <laughs> even when he's not doing that we we're more porous we, we struggle yeah i mean in terms of performances though chris is what's more important from this game getting a good result or actually just just getting back on the feet and playing well and not necessarily winning the game but but actually getting some confidence into those confidence players we were talking about i don't think not winning the game is going to do that even if playing well and not winning the game, that's just going to leave. That's just going to be redoubling the head scratching. But what if? It? But what if they were to get a high-scoring draw and Sterling bangs two in that are great goals, and you know Jesus gets a, a great goal as well? Um, yeah, I suppose. Is it, you see what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm warming to the scenario as, as you intended it, um, but it would still be very frustrating and leave you with the same conundrum: Do we just be ruthless and be mean? Or do we just try and play our football? It's got to be both, hasn't it? I mean, come on, look at the squad we've got going forward. We've got to, we've got to be playing well and beating. Um, well, uh, with the squad we've got, we should be either top of the league or Very uh, close a lot closer to it than we are. Yes, and this isn't the Spurs of two or three years ago. We should be beating them. Yeah, they've got no Kane. They've just lost Eric. The woefully out of form. Yeah, we yeah, it starts to look more and more like a city win, boys. <laughs> but what what do you need when uh, when you're woefully out of form? You need a visit from City, don't you? That's how yeah. that's how things work. Um, yeah, deflated again. Weirdly, yeah. though, City are seven wins from eight away from home in the Premier League. So actually, on the on that kind of odd flip side, is it playing away from home that they're able to deal with things a bit better? There's no there's kind of maybe no expectation from from the home fans weighing on top of them or like that. Like every time a, a, somebody put a pass out a play on Wednesday night, there was a oh uh, that sort of thing doesn't happen away from home it may be easier to play under I think there's also the difference in how the opposition plays as well there's not many teams who come to the Etihad and genuinely open the game up <laughs> genuinely try and you know really go for a win it does happen but not very often whereas when you're at home well when we're away when the opposition's at home they tend to feel more of an obligation to do something even if it's not all guns blazing and I think we do capitalise on that more often than not although even away our, our game doesn't change does it in terms of our possession stats are always like ridiculously good. I think we catch people out on the brain more often. Yeah. I can't back that up with any facts whatsoever, but gut feeling. Gut feeling. <laughs> gut feeling. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Yeah, and uh, just finally on this game, uh, Chris, do you, you mentioned it before, the VAR stuff uh, with Spurs. Yeah. Um, do you think this season would have gone differently if that Jesus goal had stood? Um, well, yeah. Second game it's, of the it's season. Hard to, it's hard to say in it retrospectively, like, would this have led to that, but... It's about moments and momentum, isn't it, a lot of the time, footy? And um, it was a big moment. It really deflated us. And it made you think, all oh, right, is this how it's going to be? And so it proved. So I'm inclined to think that, yeah, it, it really has had a big swing on us. Yeah. Uh, that combined with all the other ridiculous <laughs> decisions that we've witnessed. Fair enough. Right, so, well, just the one chance on this week's show to try and bolster the total for the season so far on the charity bets. William Hill is giving each of the panel £10 correct score single, and the winnings are going to the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester. Uh, Phil, what are you, what are you uh, going to kick us off with? 2-1 City, how do you my bets? 2-1 City, 13-2, so £65 if you're right. Uh, Chris, coming to you now, what are you going for? Gone for three two city three two city is uh, eighteen to one so uh, one eighty uh, if you're right uh, mine is twelve to one it's two two uh, between the two sides I can just see it being one of those games uh, one hundred and twenty pounds if I'm right and you got to be eighteen or over to gamble prices can change please gamble responsibly check out begamblerware.org for more information. Now, recently, Sergio Aguero passed the 250 mark for the number of goals he scored for City, and Tottenham are one of his favourite clubs to play against, with 12 goals against them in 17 appearances. To mark his recent achievement, we've been asking your favourite goals he scored, ignoring the obvious one, of course. Hi, I'm Lefty Goldblatt, and one of my favourite Aguero goals is the headed one against Watford in the 15-16 season. With less than 10 minutes to go, we were 1-0 down. A Yaya pile driver got us level, and three minutes later, a pinpoint Sanya cross enabled an Aguero 
to produce one of the most accurate headers I've ever seen. Hi, my name's Alex, and my favourite Sergio Aguero goal, beyond the obvious one, is when I think we won 4-1 against Sunderland, and Aguero nipped it through the legs of one defender, and then just kicked it really hard, and the goal net came off the ground. And that's my favourite because, as much as I like the fancy stuff, it's fun when a player foregoes that and just kicks it really, really hard. Hi, my name is Ben from Louisville, Kentucky. My favorite Sergio Aguero goal happened on the last day of the 18-19 season against Brighton. Hiya, my name is Kieran Murray. My favorite Aguero goal is against Liverpool. And I'm not just saying that to try and force a rivalry. Brighton had just scored and for the moment given Liverpool uh, the title and less than 90 seconds later he comes down on the other end, takes the flick from David Silva and rifles it between the keeper's legs. It was 2013, so they were trailing 2-1 at the Etihad. Gareth Barry played the ball forward and Pepe Reina inexplicably kind of tried to chase down Aguero outside the box. The excitement and composure that he finished that with uh, let me know that everything was going to be okay and City were going to get it over the line uh, to win the title again. Aguero controlled it, lofted it from an impossible angle almost at the touchline and it nestled in the side of the goal. Just proof that he can make the impossible possible. Hi, my name's Raf. My favourite Sergio goal was the opener at West Ham several years ago. Uh, it was a lovely through ball from Bernardino. Sergio onto it like a flash. Brilliant finish into the bottom corner. But what made the goal truly special was Negredo's exquisite dummy. Just casually walking towards the ball. Kept on walking as it passed him. Fooled the defence and Sergio's onto it and tucks it away. Hi, my name is Matt. And my personal favourite Sergio Aguero goal was his third against Bayern Munich in the 2014-15 season as it completed his historic hat-trick against one of the most renowned teams in Europe. Hi, this is Jimmy from New York. Uh, Favourite Aguero goal was the equaliser against Brighton on the last day of the 2018-19 Premier League season. Hello, my name is Chris. Uh, Favourite Aguero goal behind, obviously, title-winning goal. Um, was at this game, beat Spurs 5-1. Jekyll scored four, but just remember, Kuhn's goal that game. Had that not happened, we're chasing the game. Uh, maybe we end up losing 1-0 or uh, tying 1-1. Not enough to overtake Liverpool. Not enough to have back-to-back championships. One of the best parts is that it was David Silva passing him the ball seven years after 93-20. I think Nasri slipped him in. He fired at him with his left foot, top corner. Great day out, great result. Hi, this is Mike from the Bolt from the Blue podcast with my favourite ever Sergio Aguero goal. April 14th, 2012. An away game against Norwich City and a 6-1 win. Hi, my name is Benny and my favourite Sergio Aguero goal was in the 2013 FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea. The first of a brace from Sergio lives long in the memory. A beautiful bouncing back heel from Tevez. Fox, the Canaries' defence, a wallop. Sergio thumped one into the top corner from the edge of the box. The goal started with a brilliant cross from Gareth Barry that found Sergio in front of a Chelsea defender to guide a header past the static Peter Cech. The reason it is my favourite Sergio goal was the timing of the leap, the pace and placement of the header to perfection. Hi, this is Paul Dickoff, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Some cracking Aguero goals there. Uh, any favourites? Obviously, we're not allowing the QPR one. Too many to pick from, but not allowing the QPR one and not wanting to repeat anything anyone else has said so far. I'm minded of two derby goals that he scored, one at Old Trafford in 12-13, I think. Everyone remembers. Wham, one. top corner. Danced across the area, smashed it in the top corner. Phil Jones' face. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. And then uh, September 2013, I think Moyes' first derby, 
what he, he pirouetted the volley it's beautiful uh, two goals where I can, I can picture the goal and I can picture the celebration as if it's right in front of me yeah love him he does He does that thing when it, certainly when he celebrates against United where it he's like a pounding bit, his chest and, yeah. and there's uh, a, he's yeah. lashing out a little bit it's, it's, yeah. and there's so much passion in it they are, there always seems to be a cameraman right in front yeah. of him as well it's fantastic he's great Chris, any uh, any Aguero goals that uh, that stand out for you? Well, I was just uh, just enjoying mem- remembering those actually. But there's a really good one against. Um, oh, who is it now? I had to. I, I should have written it down because I've just I caught up in the moment of you describing those goals, thinking, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> and the ones I had, I've gone out of my head. There's a really good one that he scored against Wigan, but I, I like that because of the Dave, Dave Silver bit. That he did in midfield. That where the silver pirouettes holding the ball, but he, just kind of shielding it. Yeah, he does that thing where he just kind of walks around, he sort of, doesn't he? That was the his ball. first. That was his first hat trick. Was it? Yeah, that was his, it was about his fourth game or something. Right. And he just he one on one with the keeper and just rolls it. Yeah, into the just corner. casual, nonchalant as you like, just strokes yeah. it in. But the, the build up from Silver is probably my favourite bit in that. But it's still a fantastic goal from like a, a team perspective. Is it West Brom where he rifles it? There's one where he's about. 20. Oh, in Pep's first season. I think so, yeah. And is at it West the, Brom? Yeah, it's at the Hawthorns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about twenty, twenty odd yards out, and you see the net lift off at the back. Yeah, you know when it goes. Go, you know when they describe a goal as like arrow like because it's just like an arrow. <laughs> 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 it was just, just the speed and the yeah. accuracy, the way it just, you know, I th- it probably broke the sound barrier going in. Yeah, mine was ridiculous. My favourite is the. Uh, it was mentioned in that feature is the the Liverpool two two oh. draw. Where he just lofts it past Rayner when he takes it round Rayner. Oh, he's sat, sat on his arse. And, he, and he's, he's already, yeah, and he's just on the deck. I used to sit at yeah. 3 2 at the time when he scored that, and I was right behind it. And I don't think I've ever seen a better goal from you know, actually being able to physically see it because the angle he scored that from was never unbelievable. How do you do that? Also, uh, that Liverpool one last season where oh, yeah. he had no right to yeah. score that. It was such a pressure cooker of a game. And the way he gathered it, and he um, does it like it's not a big thing as well. Yeah. Like, like you're supposed to score from that angle. For yeah, three yeah, out. just lash that in from here. Thanks. Yeah. And then it, the Obviously way he'll do that. Again, his eyes, the pupils like <laughs> fully dilated, the steam coming out of his nostrils and his whole face contorted in like a, a, a maddened, you know, delight. But what, but what about the Chelsea game last season? Missed from yeah, yeah. half a yard out, but it pops how it far wide. Out was that one and then, then just goes, Oh no, I'll pop it in from 25 yards. That it's was all amazing. Right. <laughs> the guy's a phenomenon. I absolutely, I think he's oh, he's just an absolute legend, isn't he? I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, miss so him. He's, gonna, he's irreplaceable, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Let's finish now with Ask the Panel. Send your questions in for next week's show. Twitter is the way to do it mainly, at Blue Moon Podcast on there, but you can email us through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram as well, so go and search for Blue Moon Podcast on there. Uh, first up is Alan Harper on the emails. He asks, how can City plan ahead for the future if Guardiola is only going to be the manager for one more season? What if whoever replaces him is after different players, when clearly Guardiola wants a lot of new faces coming this summer? Well, firstly, Alan, what were you doing taking that penalty against Everton? Uh, it should have been Michael Hughes taking the penalty. <laughs> really rankles to this day. Uh, I can't remember the question because I was just instantly fixed on with Alan. the name Alan Harper. Yeah, um, I, oh, yeah. Why? Why tell that? It's on telly as well. I knew he was going to miss. Knew it. What was the question? Uh, how can City plan ahead if Guardiola wants new players, a whole host of new players for next summer, but he's going to be leaving? Guardiola. Well, he's going to be leaving at the end of next season. Well, this is most likely, I, unless he signs an extension. He needs to. What I require from Guardiola is bat off questions about the fans or answer them passionately and get behind us and nail your colours to the mast. Say you want to. There's an obvious challenge here. Surely, if he's a manager that relishes a challenge, biggest challenge of your career, go toe to toe with uh, Space Teeth Man. Klopp. Yeah. Um, and. Just slug it out, nail your colours to the mast. I suppose in a weird way, Phil, the, the what you would say to Guardiola right now is, listen, you've never had to take apart a team and rebuild it when it's been your own team. Why don't you try that here for the first time? Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity as well for, for everyone, really. I mean, it's a big ask to do it, especially with the challenge that Liverpool are presenting, but I don't think you have to be limited by Guardiola's future. You use him, whether he's here for one year, here for another three. You include him, you plan for the future. We're not going to suddenly change philosophies whether Guardiola's here this season or the next four. It's going to be a continuity. You find the common elements and you go from there. 
So in terms of having of, of, of an overlook of the transfers, then I suppose that's where the director of football comes in. Yeah, that's what he's there for. I've, if you can't do that, then you've got to be asking questions. But we've it's not been perfect, but the way we've handled transfers over the last few years, I'd have quite a lot of confidence that we're not going to suddenly it's about ca- face and change. It's kind of plans. been all designed for Pep, though, hasn't it? Even the directors of football are kind of chums of his, and apparently he was casting his eye over transfers before he was even at the club. So I don't know if he goes. Is the, are the directors of football going to stay? Are we going to have continuity? That, are, that would be the more worrying question for me. I would assume he'd stay. If he doesn't, then it is a serious issue. But his job is to be the continuity across between managerial, managerial teams. Reigns, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If he's think, still there, we should be suited to do it. Do you think Pep will go after? I think probably the end of next season when he's con- when his contract's up. Yeah, mm. I'd like him to, uh, you know. Step up and say, do you know what? I'd like him to see all Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. See, see, see them off. Prove that you can. Because yeah. I tell you what, Klopp ain't going anywhere. No. He's gonna be there till he, they'll be dragging him out. He's uh, he seems to have really bought into it. I want that from uh, from our guy really, rather than Brighton's about crowds and that. You know what I mean? Well, uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. In the, and I might have got it wrong weeks. about the uh, other penalty taker when Alan Harper missed that penalty. It might, <laughs> it might not have been Michael Hughes. But anyway, Alan, the point still stands. Yeah, I don't think it's the same one, just to crush your dreams, uh, Iggy. Sorry about that. Um, well, I hope not, for his sake. Ian Boyd asks on Twitter, Leroy Sane is getting closer to fitness. What impact do you think his return will have? Is there any chance of him staying at City this summer or is the move to Bayern now almost a dead cert? Big question, isn't it? I'd, I'd like to think he's going to come in and have a massive impact almost from the off we know the player he can be but the injury he's had how long he's not been playing is I think it's impossible to, to know what form he's going to come back in what state he's going to come back in is he going to have the same speed and agility even if he does how long is it going to take him to get back to delivering in a game if it goes well it could turn around at the end of the season if he takes a little bit of time who knows and I'd like to think he'd stay as well but it doesn't sound like he's going to he wasn't really part of the running last season was he no he doesn't it's hard to believe that he's suddenly going to be more trusted by Guardiola after what, like six months out. Yeah. Similarly to the last question in terms of what's it going to be like when you know someone's not going to be there, or you think you know if they're you not think going to be there, the, the is stage. the impetus going to be the same? Is he going to be playing within himself because he knows he's going to buy in? Apparently, he's um, been impressed. I mean. He, it's daft uh, story season, if it ever isn't. It's even worse at the moment for like paper talk. But I read somewhere that, oh, he's been so impressed by the loyalty at City that he's actually wanting to sign a new contract with us. Doubling the wages might have something to do with that. <laughs> but, I mean, if he's, if he's... If I was definitely leaving a club, um, in the back of my mind, even though I wouldn't be making a conscious effort to underperform, there's... Surely something psychologically there which prevents you from going full well, when, tilt, because when you've handed, especially when you've just and you want to protect yourself, wouldn't you? Especially after the injury you just yeah. come back from, you don't want to like. Cock have you ever handed your notice in at a job? Um, How have you been during your notice period? Is it that sort of kind of? Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just kind of see it out now. Um, it's kind of like the same thing, is it? I don't know. I mean, just much better paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think if I've had it. I don't think I have. I went for the redundancy at Sharp that time. Anyway, forget. Sorry, that. I didn't mean to bring up old, <laughs> old memories. <laughs> right, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll really regretted that. Yeah, I'll move on to the next question. Sorry about that, Chris. Out in um, a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Hewitt asks on uh, Instagram: After his contract extension, will Fernandinho play much next season, or will he be considered more of a backup as City try to phase him out? I still play him quite regularly, based on what we've seen. But it looks to me like he. My interpretation, based on how he's been this season, is that he's probably going to try and use him more of a company role, a bit more of a you know reliable standing, and less at uh, well less in defensive midfield because you'd assume yeah, yeah. that would be Rodri. Yeah, and he, he does seem to be a lot more comfortable buying midfielders than buying defenders, so that you know kind of solves <laughs> that problem a little bit. You would think that if he's got a contract extension when he was negotiating it, that question might have been asked: Are you, Am I going to be bit part, or am I still going to be prominent in your thoughts? If he's had assurances, I've, just on that though, I've got a feeling it was triggered automatically. There was talk. Oh, that's the, true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. By that's the number true. of games he's played. Well, I don't know. Um, depends who we're getting over this summer. It's hard to say, really. He's kind of in the supposed to be in the twilight of his years, but he doesn't. He looks like he could he perform still looks at this great, level. Yeah, playing out of position, he's still comfortably our best defender. He's still quite quick, even though his game isn't massively built on pace. 
He's quick enough to do it. It's all it's his brain, isn't it? It's yeah. his football he brain, which is still well yeah. He's a bit of a Rolls Royce, isn't he? Yeah. I think he can uh, definitely play, keep playing his way into selection. Yeah, best Brazilian in the Premier League. Hard to think of anyone who comes close. I really like Willian, actually. Do you rate him? At times, but not to the same level. No, maybe. <laughs> more, he's, he's more I spectacular think... moments, but he's more fleeting. No, I don't know. I think he's uh, he's nearly he's nearly at that level. But yeah, Fernandinho. The answer's it... Fernandinho anyway, Chris. Yeah, yeah correct, <laughs> correct answer. Do I win five pounds? So yeah. I was just uh... sorry about that. Sorry, <laughs> right. Well, we've reached the end of this week's show, so thank you very much for listening. And if you've enjoyed it, please head over to all your usual places for listening to podcasts and give it a rating and review. It helps us attract more listeners, which helps us to fund the show through the ads. If you'd like to help out further with covering the show's costs, then you can join our Patreon page. There are a number of reward tiers, and you can find out more on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast this week's bonus show for the backers is all about the historical rivalry between city and spurs special thanks to this week's panel higgy thank you very much and phil thanks for having me i'll be back next week to look over the game at spurs see you then take care that was the blue moon podcast Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.